Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, a 30 Rock podcast, the weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurks that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I am your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 32, season 2, episode 11, MILF Island. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. The TGS staff and the entire nation is... <laughs> Enraptured by the MILF Island season finale, uh, someone said something very disgraceful about Jack, about Jack Donaghy to the page six gossip column in the New York Post, and Pete gets his hand stuck in a vending machine. Oh, God, I, I know that. Another <laughs> useless plot line for Pete. Oh, poor Pete. <laughs> and so they could do some Soy Joy product placement. I, yeah, I mean, until I think we talked about it, Soy Joy was an actual product. I just thought it was a throwaway gag. I didn't realize it's actually a real thing, but apparently it is a real thing, and it's another one of those criticisms they have of uh, horror product placement. But there's also another use of uh, what's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, product integration, integration with uh, American Gladiators, which I, w- I will expand on when we get to that point because I have to talk about that. Um, but no, uh, AV Club I think summed this episode up in their review where they said this was basically the perfect season opener if this had to be the season 3 opener because it is kind of exactly what 30 Rock needs to be. A very simple, almost bottle episode uh, where everybody is all relatively in the same room and it's just a very tight episode. It doesn't feel like a 21 minute episode in a good way. Like everything is just so rapid and tight that it flows very, very well. It's uh, it's definitely one of the best episodes of the season, and I think we said it last time, one of the best episodes, I think, of the series. Um, but I want, to, before we go too much further into this, I need to backtrack because I made a big snafu in last week's episode when we were, when we all got caught up talking about ghosting and... The Lovely Bones and Ready Player One, I forgot to mention last week's episode was the first one written by Donald Glover of the series, and he's cameoed in the first season. Uh, he Last episode, episode 210, was the first episode he'd written, and then when we get to season three, he basically is in charge of writing, or uh, the title that he has in that season is, he's executive story editor on 22 episodes of that season, of season three and four. Uh, he basically handles just about every episode of that season before he uh, before he exits, and uh, I just I feel bad that we didn't even mention him at all. What a dreadful snafu! Yeah, I know. But he ha- basically has a season three opener, and I mean, uh, so he's credited with twenty two episodes from two thousand eight to two thousand nine, which is basically all of season three, and I think maybe one or two of season four. He's just all over next season, so I can't wait. We've only got a few more episodes, and we 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 get there, but. Uh, yeah, I, I feel bad that we didn't even mention his name because obviously he's gone on uh, to do a lot of fantastic things. Uh, he's really got his start at Derek Comedy. I don't remember, do you remember Derek Comedy? They were like a YouTube comedy. I do not. They were like a lower end. I don't want to insult them, but I mean, like they were just a small end kind of like UCB sort of style, like just very sketch comedy. Um, the I think their biggest sketch they have is also kind of one that just doesn't play very well it's called bro rape and it's not a great sketch in like the content that it's talking about but in 2006 2007 when it was coming out like it was genuinely because it has so many people it's got donald glover it's got bobby moynihan before he was on snl like it's just 
it's so funny, but the content is just so garbage that it's hard to really recommend. But if you want to find it, it's it's out there on YouTube. Um, but yeah, he's and of course, of course, he's got his musical thing with Childish Gambino, and he's you know in Lion King. He's now. halfway to EGOT. He's halfway to EGOTing. Um, and Atlanta, I think we've talked about Atlanta is, is is a really solid show. So we want to give him the credit he deserves, and we'll talk more about him in season three when he comes back in and as as a writer slash executive story editor. Anyway, uh, back to MILF Island. Uh, what thoughts do you have on MILF Island, having just watched it? I mean, obviously. We're- we're going to talk about it, you know, as we go on with the clips, but uh, I feel like I've been talking too much, so. So I would say it's a classic episode, but I wouldn't say it's one of the best episodes, mm. if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the Milf Island premise is golden, and they make some, some uh, they, they do some great work with it, but, like, the whole, who said the thing about Jack, I mean, it's funny, but it's not, like, amazing or anything, and, and yeah. the Pete storyline is, is really tacked on and totally filler, so. Yeah. Overall, like, I think that concept is totally, like, one of the legendary parts of 30 Rock, but as a whole, the episode isn't, like, I wouldn't say, like, one of the fun... It's a good episode, but it's not, like, I wouldn't say, like, you know... I, I think uh, Rosemary's Baby a few episodes ago, the one with mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, is probably the best one. Okay. At least of the... At least the season so far. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. No, I mean, yeah, classic doesn't necessarily mean best, so you're right. It's, that's a fair... That's a fair... Uh, at, uh, uh, attribution? What's the word I'm looking for? Assessment? Assessment. I don't know. I don't know. It's a fair fair way to, to categorize this episode. Um, but I mean, I always like going back to it. It's just, it's again, it's so sharp. Uh, and it's just, everything's working to something. And it uh, it's a lot of that sort of inside baseball style. And, and again, it's a bottle episode. Everything's really self-contained oh, in one yep. room. So... Um, it's it's just a tight episode and again if this was the season opener it would have been a fantastic season opener because it just gets you back into the rhythm of everything that 30 Rock and now, now that they were a three month break from them being off air to this be, like this was the powerhouse that they came right back into yeah it's it's pretty damn commendable yeah kind of like we said last week it felt like it could have been the season finale I wonder if when they were writing this one they weren't sure if I mean, obviously they were writing so the strike was over, but I wonder if they weren't sure if it was going to come back that season or if they were going to hold off till the fall so they wrote it so it could also function as sort of a premiere if they yeah. needed to. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, I think that's a good Well, I mean, yeah, good well, I guess, half. yeah, even though it wasn't the season premiere, it was also, the, it was the first one back in several months, so it kind of was a season premiere, even, yeah. you know, even yeah, though you it could was argue just that, yeah. the halfway. I mean, nowadays, actually, when a lot of shows kind of split up their seasons where they do, you know, half, Mm-hmm. And then take a couple months off and then come back for the and second half. It, I mean, that's almost like, uh, especially on cable, mm-hmm. that's actually pretty popular. Yeah. So, 30 Rock was just ahead. It was a trendsetter. It was ahead of its time. And now we say this about this episode. Uh, so, if if you're not sure exactly, especially with live action, uh, I know this more from cartoons, but there's a production code that gets addressed uh, or attached to each uh, episode. And this is the only one out of the entire run of 30 Rock that wasn't in production order. So this was actually production 212. And the next episode, Subway Hero, was actually 211. So it's interesting that this works as a season opener. Yeah, that's probably why they bumped it up. But it... It's the next one in line of a production. It should have been the next. It should have been the second episode of their return back, not their first. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. But this is, and that's the only time in this entire series that the production code is out of order. Everything else mm-hmm. is in order. And I tried looking into it. I think most um, 
most sitcoms, because they're generally are resetting at the end of every episode, there's not a real production order, as, and it, more so with cartoons. Cartoons reset every time. So you'll see an episode that was technically a season seven order, but doesn't premiere until like season eight, maybe midway through season eight, just because the way it was produced and by everything getting in place, especially with cartoon, it takes more time. Uh, it's So it's rare to see a series that's almost in sequential order in its production cut. That's pretty commendable. Um, but any last thoughts or do we just want to hop right into Milk Island? Yes, yeah, so actually really quickly, speaking of production codes, the, the, normally... I, I guess you wouldn't, you wouldn't really notice things like I guess it's not uncommon for episodes to air out of order. Um, but one time I remember actually noticing and paying attention was the uh, "Don't Trust the Bitch" in Apartment Twenty Three, the first season. Basically, like they they gave it a thirteen episode order or something, but they all, it was like in season. I can't remember, but basically they rearranged the season to show. So it was like there were seven or eight or something, let's say, good episodes that they aired back to back, even if it was wildly out of order. And like basically they saved all the episodes not as good for the summer. So I remember it was really weird because it was like it had a really strong run that spring. And it was like it went into the summer and it was like the episodes were out. Of, it was out of order. So it was like things were happening that had already been closed off or talked about earlier and the episodes were like noticeably lower quality like you could tell like abc actually was like okay let's front load all the episodes we like and yeah. then air the rest later yeah and it it was just interesting because like i remember watching that summer thinking wow these episodes are definitely like lower it, it, it just felt like you know they were referencing things that were older at that point because they already been covered in the yeah i do remember subsequent that. episodes that already aired i just like that i'd say that's the only time that i remember like seriously noticing like a network like switching around the episode order to you know because i mean it happens i i don't know if that wildly but i mean it happens not infrequently but yeah no not that noticeably yeah because i mean it's that's a good example and i know there are other examples of shows doing that but i can't think of any off the time but i do remember when watching dumb trucks the bitch in apartment 23 that there was like wait a minute that story that storyline ended but we're on episode 20 of the first season why are we still hot? Like it was just, and then it, like you look into it, it's like, oh, because this was like a production season one episode seven, but it's airing at episode twenty for whatever reason, yeah, you know. Was... And it's just like mm, it just feels kind of janky. I think happy endings is also mm. uh, a problem with that because there's a lot of storylines where they're just showing them out of order. Not that that story had like an overarching. Is it overarching or overarching? Because I've heard it both ways. I would think overarching. That's what I thought too, but I've heard it overarching. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know, right? Um, and there was just moments where story elements of, you know, a couple would be dating or they'd be dating a, a stream of episodes, but then the episode, it was just, it's, it's, it's kind of jarring, but I think for the, at the average viewer, that's not necessarily so much into the inside baseball that they don't, it doesn't throw them out of it. But if, again, like if you're someone who's like us, who knows a little bit more about the behind the scenes and you kind of look and you're like, okay, well, we know why they did this. Maybe like, when they wanted this episode to be done, they wanted a special guest actor or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. Uh, New Girl, I think, also does things like that, too, because... Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes to a question there for a season because networks will change around the order to make sure to obviously try to, to maximize viewership. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely just, not uncommon. It's just that was, like, it seriously messed with the story. The and continuity just like, of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah continuity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, now, anyway, now let's jump into Mill Island. Now let's jump into 
the fine. Good code open uh, basically sets everything up this episode is going to be, which it's it's pretty simple setup, but uh, it just gets us right to the point. Coming up on the season finale of Milf Island, holy hot mamas. But who will be the final mommy you'd like to... Oh, you know. I came here to be number one. Coming up next here on NBC... You guys going to do any work today or when I came across this. Who did this? Who did what? This is from today's page six gossip column. Which TGS with Tracy Jordan staffer called corporate honcho Jack Donaghy a class A moron? Donaghy is up for the GE chairmanship, but one employee has misgivings, adding, that guy can eat my poo. Uh-oh. Who said this? Not me. Not me. Please? Mr. Donaghy would like to see you in his office immediately. Well, it better not be about that quote, because I am not taking the bullet for this. This is bad. Like, lose your job bad. Prepare for the craziest night of television of your life. I do like the like interstitials of the reality program running in the background, basically everywhere. The, like the entire studio apparently is all watching this. Yeah. And so every time there's like a break in the action, there's just coincidentally a narrator just saying, oh, it's going to be the biggest night of your life or things just got intense or there's now a twist. And it's just like it's all perfectly just just coinciding with everything and uh that uh, the host of milf island is rob hubel who worked on human giant which we talked about back when paul Shear uh made his debut back in oh earlier this season it was the he was donnie of the the, the head of the pages uh, who we got we got to see him with uh, how did this get made live that was a lot of fun it was fun it was a lot of fun um so yeah uh i think rob hubel is the least known of that trio Probably, but he's been in a lot. But he's, yeah, much like Paul Shear. He's like one of those people who's like guest starred on just like every sitcom. He's it feels just, like at yeah, point. he's just a big character actor. Yeah. He's kind of been everywhere. And he's <laughs> yeah. good. He's just like the perfect kind of straight man to like play off of everyone's wackiness. He's just kind of does really good at that job. Um, so, I mean, that's this is this cold open basically sets up all of what this episode will be. And that there is, as you said in the synopsis, someone printed something in the paper about Jack. And now they have to figure out who did it. Spoiler alert. We know who did it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so Milf Island itself is obviously heavily modeled the most on Survivor. Mm-hmm. Like the the logo and the whole, like, there's a lot of torches and being in, on an island and skimpy clothing and that sort of thing. It's not so, so subtle at all yeah. about what it's trying yeah. to imitate. So guess, guess what season Survivor this fall will what number season it will be uh okay are we talking 2019 time or yeah right now well well yeah i'll i'll tell you what season was airing when when during well during when this episode actually aired but right now this this fall what's it'll the, be uh season 40 you 
Oh, you you overshot a little bit. It's gonna be season thirty nine. Oh, is the opening season. And the, but and they do two seasons a year. Now. They have for, yeah, they have for for a while now. Yeah. And so when Milf Island aired, it was the, the with the seventeenth season. Oh my god! Survivor but it only been on the air like ten times, right? Or ten years. Yeah, well, it started. Yes, yeah, so it started like what oh one oh two. So yeah, like it was like it was in, its first thing I remember was in the summer, mm-hmm. and then because it was then it was huge, and then they brought it. Like I remember the, the next season, like the, after the Super Bowl, was like the first episode of the next season. Yeah, and I think they've mostly done twice a year since then. But it was but but the at the first half of two thousand eight was the seventeenth season of Survivor. So Jesus, that's so many. And it's still like I mean it's still on and it's still like sort of thing where it has enough of a fan base where you know ratings across all broadcasts have declined so it has like it actually still does really well because it has just a core fan base of people who keep watching it so I haven't watched it in a really 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 long time at this yeah. point but anyway so yeah so Milf Island is most heavily modeled off that but there are elements of I mean obviously 2008 was that was that whole concept was a big thing so there there are elements of other stuff but that's the biggest thing that it clearly is yeah clearly a copy of of Survivor um, Although the the fu- one of the funniest things is they never actually explain how the game is played, how people are eliminated, but people keep talking about oh, it's so and so is playing the game so well, right. and it's like what are they doing? Like they talk about these random challenges, but it's mm-hmm. like nothing that implies like you know because it's like they still have the quote unquote tribal council, so you know they talk they talk about losing challenges, but it doesn't seem like if you lose a challenge you get out, so you, you get eliminated in some way, but yeah. no one it they don't say like- if it's voting or if like the I mean I guess maybe. Maybe maybe the kids, the ten year old boys, are. Uh, I guess the voting. I guess the kids, because like the the only time we see someone get voted off, and like literally seeming the only uh, metric is we just no longer want to hit that, and that. So it's like basically it seems like a kind of superficial vote where it's just like you're just not hot to us anymore. Like it doesn't seem like your uh, the quality of your work matters. It seems really just like how hot you are to the kids, which is kind of gross. But I mean that's the whole point of the show. Um, and also they skirt around what a MILF is because a MILF, like, if you break down what the acronym is, it's not exactly a family-friendly yeah. acronym. Well, so In the intro the there, the, the initial something about mommy, I'd like to, well, oh, well, know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you yeah. can fill in the blank. Yeah. But, um, well, I guess, so this is a couple, no, this would be around the time, uh, no, this was pre, no, no, this is about 10 years after American Pie. So MILF oh, had yeah. been around the lexicon for a while. So yeah, if there's a sure. point of view, you didn't know what it meant, that's on you. That's your ignorance. But yeah, I think American Pie really helped popularize what uh, a MILF is or was. Um, and now we have DILF and probably other terms for that. Or Lemon party. Yeah, we got more of that too. So we come back from the opening. Liz runs into Pete. We're going to skip that because it's unimportant. And meets. Well, up. yeah, really quickly though. He yes. Yeah. So just to summarize but the whole line, really quickly. Line, yeah. He wants to watch the finale quietly in his office, but he but th- there's a dangler, some product or whatever is dangling in the uh, vending machine. So instead of he just wants to reach up and try to grab it for free. And there's a quick shot straight onto a bunch of soy joy bars. So just driving home the product placement. Yeah. Well, they needed that after the strike. They needed their money. Yeah, that's true. But Lids heads up to uh, Jack's office, and he's giddy with excitement at how well Milf Island is doing in the ratings. Lemon, remember this? Deborah and Shauna squaring off at Erection Cove. Um, I don't. I don't really watch this show. Uh, Deborah's amazing. Have you heard her story before she was cast on Milf Island? She was just a struggling actress living in L.A. 
Wow, that's inspiring. Unlike any other person <laughs> on any other reality yeah, no, game like, show. Yeah, she just she out of nowhere from mid from the Midwest. She just got discovered. Yeah, I, I remember it got so bad and like the because it i feel like especially like survivor started out like it was they did cast like quote-unquote regular people but it definitely changed over time to the point where i remember the term mactor became like a term that like someone coined someone who's like on big brother or something coined as like a model actor because there were so many of them so they just got called all the mactors that were cast on the show mm, that makes sense because yeah. you don't have the pretty people you don't have uggos exactly but then that, again that defeats the purpose of calling it reality Ugh. Yeah, I think we've ranted about that already. I don't like. Yes, we do, we do. We don't need to debate that again. But uh, <laughs> Deborah is a actor. Deborah, everyone on that show is. She has real star quality. You should meet with her. Wait, is that why you called me up here, sir? I have Sumner Redstone calling to congratulate you. I'll return. The calls have been pouring in all night. No violence, huge. I guess I should be out celebrating, but I'm waiting for a call from Don Geis. You think he'll call me Jackie Boy? Then I'll be at Erection Cove. Congratulations, Jack. You must be very proud. When you meet with Deborah, have her do her Indian cab driver impression. She she really pulls it off. Now, why would I meet with her? Because we're developing a spin-off and I thought you could write it. Oh, no, thanks. I don't want anything to do with Milf Island. That show's kind of lowest common denominator. The critics said the same thing about Shakespeare. Yeah, but Shakespeare never had a confessional shower sponsored by Dove Pro Age. So you have seen the show, and why shouldn't you? It has sex, lies, puberty, betrayal, relay races. Milf Island reflects the drama of the human experience, and isn't that the essence of art? <laughs> I don't think eating bugs to earn tampons... Episode 9, 22 million viewers. It's art. Performance is an art. Writing is an art. What we do is art. Someone put too many farts in this engine! It's about to explode! Okay, fine. Tell me with her. I just saw the opportunity for you to make an obscene amount of money. Well, no thanks. I have integrity. It's farting! It's farting! Mute. Anyway, unless there's something else, I'm just gonna... Uh, actually, we do need to resolve the uh, page six debacle. Uh. You know, if you Google the phrase, class A moron, my name pops up first now, so... Step aside, Randy Quaid. Jack, I'm sorry you saw that. It's not good timing for me professionally. I will find out who did it. I'll beat it out of them. No, no, here's how we're going to play this situation. We're going to turn up the heat on your people and see who breaks first. Jonathan? Could you round up those idiots? Hey, buddies. So the lighting in this episode is very interesting. Um, everything is so dark, which... It is nighttime there, but every other episode we've seen before this, everything's so bright and colorful. So I'm curious if that's like a theming that they're trying to do, or if if it, I, I don't think it's like a budget conscious thing. I think it, it really is trying to just insinuate darkness and, yeah. and an over, I don't know, maybe like a cloudy theme or whatever. But Yeah, well, I mean, sort of because it turns to like a whodunit of who said the thing. So it's like, I feel like with mysteries and stuff like that, you yeah. usually it's like kind of like a dark you know like i, I guess I, I think the classic like you know like i'm just like clue like there's a storm outside and there's a mystery to solve and yada yada right. yada so yeah. so i mean it's good lighting but it's yeah. uh it's it's, it's definitely sort of contrast to a lot of the other episodes for sure. that are coming for it yeah but yeah we get uh the writers now are, are moved up into Jack's office, and this is where basically everyone's going to be for the rest of the episode until the finale. And for the sake, I mean, honestly, every scene in this we could play, but for the sake of time, we're going to have to to cut some scenes out. 
But we finally learned before the first act break who was responsible for the page six debacle. What is it, Kenneth? Well, I was thinking about this item in the newspaper and something doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Well, I know Twofer would never use the word poo, so it's not him. And Frank couldn't have done it because he was with me all day making fun of my haircut. And also, I saw you do it. The game is about to change. What do you mean you saw me do it? It was yesterday, downstairs. Miss Lemon! I'm gonna miss the show this week. Jack is sending me to do stand-up in Dubai. I'm gonna do jokes on airplane food. It's all new to them. No, Tracy, you can't miss the show. But don't blame me. Blame Jack. He's the one I'm splitting the $3 million with. You and Jack Donaghy are the cause of my jawline acne. You work for Jack Donaghy? That class A moron? Unfortunately. Must be tough taking orders from a guy like that, huh? I don't take orders from him. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. That guy can eat my poo. You work here, too? No. I'm a reporter for the New York Post, specializing in business gossip. And then you asked him if he was single, and he said, don't worry about it. But then you... Okay, fine. You got me. I did it. But I am not taking the fall for this one. I have taken too many bullets for my idiot staff in the past. So... When, I guess maybe she just simply didn't remember that, having a conversation with someone. Yeah, it'd be, it's way. probably, you're right, it's probably she was blowing off steam, which she probably does, like, oh, reg, you know, yeah. regularly. Yeah. So, of course, if, I mean, since the guy did say that he was a, uh, he specifically said he was a, he was a business gossip reporter for the New York Post. So, I mean, yes, in real life, like, I don't think that's something she would have forgotten. Right. But Or she was just so awestruck with that's true. maybe how handsome he was. That she was like, <gasps> so... And that's when we get another not-so-subtle, but subtle product placement for American Gladiators, which had been, at this time, started to reboot on NBC. Uh, During this time, it would run only for two seasons for a total of 21 episodes. Uh, It was hosted by Layla Ali, who was an MTV person? She was Muhammad Ali's daughter. Who am I thinking of? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Well, good for her. And that terrible, racist Hulk Hogan... He's a a bad person. Uh, It would run for two seasons, and then it would just wrap up. And a lot of people would argue that it got rebooted so fast because uh, they needed something for the writer's strike. Ah. They thought it would be an easy replacement in case shows lasted longer. Um, uh, It was kind of laughably uh, canceled uh, after, I guess, a season and a half, really. Yeah. but uh, it looks like Seth Rogen and his partner Evan Goldberg are still trying to reboot it as of last year. They're still trying to bring it back. So. I was going to say, I mean, obviously I know back then it was a reboot, but it was kind of ahead of its time because like American Ninja Warrior has been on for a yeah. while now and super successful. So honestly, I can't even imagine Gladiator coming back now for that reason. Like that is like that is the big show that, yeah. I mean, that, you know, it's successful. And it's, I mean, it, obviously it's not the exact same thing, but it's similar enough concept that i feel like that you wouldn't what's the a, point right you know like yeah. i guess like if you know maybe for if there was some cable network and it got decent enough ratings for like you know it's probably cheap to produce but other than that that niche is seems like it's pretty much filled at this I point mean, yeah it, i mean yeah i feel like that niche is gone and uh i don't the, like the nostalgia that people still have nostalgia for a 20 plus nearly 30 no a 30 year old show i guess that they want to reboot it again for the fourth time like it just seems yeah seems no like i don't feel like there's too many people that are that are demanding that um but yeah uh 
And I, I want to talk about Hulk Hogan a little bit more because he's... Ugh. I mean, in the wrestling world, obviously, he was one of the biggest people yes. of the 80s and the 90s. But and Mr. He, Mom. Mr. Mom, he was Suburban Command. Mr. Nanny. Oh. Mr. Mom was Michael Keaton. Oh, 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 oh you're um, right. But um, he was also uh, very hurtful to the industry of wrestling because he would be a snitch to protect himself. He uh, adamantly denied that he ever took steroids when that whole thing was, or, or human growth hormones, even though it was clear that he did. Um, he just, he helped blacklist a lot of, well, not helped, but cause a blacklist of a lot of people. He just used his power to better himself rather than the industry. Uh, he's ultimately going to be a stain on the industry more than anything. Uh, and ever since the whole racist tirade came out, a lot of fans have not forgiven him. Some have, but you know, they're probably not the best kind of fans you want anyway. Um, but there's a really good, uh, I guess, meme circulating right now. So recently they had uh, what uh, WWE had called a Raw reunion where they basically just, it, they do it every year or so. They just bring back a bunch of old faces and old legends and stuff to to tout out for ratings. And Hulk Hogan was brought back. And there's a scene where like they're all on the, on the main stage and there's this other guy uh, who worked in the same company with him called his name's Booker T. And <laughs> there's just like this photo of like Hulk Hogan's in the foreground and Booker T's like in the background. He's just got this like mean look. Like he's like, I haven't forgiven you look on it. It's so funny because it's just, it's so like, yeah, dude, we all remember what you said and what you did. We're not going to forgive you. It's just so great. It's such a good, but yeah, Hulk Hogan's a, a monster and hopefully his legacy is of the current and not of the past. Mostly what I know him for is killing Gawker and having a daughter with a terrible attempt at a pop career, pop music career. Yeah. I think VH1 for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And a son who drove recklessly, drove under intoxication for a couple times, I think. Either, I think he paralyzed his friend. I don't think he killed his friend, but I think he paralyzed his friend in an accident as a result. So the whole family may be kind of a mess. I don't know. Uh, moving on, <laughs> back to 30 Rock. Uh, Liz pleads with Kenneth to just find some, uh, what would you call it, just some way that she doesn't have to take the fall for this, but Kenneth can't get it through that. Well, Kenneth doesn't, Kenneth doesn't like to lie. He doesn't like, he can't. Honesty is always the best policy. Because then you don't get to go to heaven. You don't get to go to heaven, that's right. I deserve one free pass. But that's not the right thing to do. Yes, yes, Kenneth. But Jack and I are friends. It would screw things up if this came out. What if I really messed up his chances at getting that promotion? I would be so sad if I got caught for this. But you're not supposed to lie. Oh, you apple-faced goon! Fine, I will tell him. Oh, pray for me. One of the funniest things about that scene is in the background, there's a, a, a challenge <laughs> going on at Milf Island where the women are, I guess they're racing or something, but like the, the 10 year old boys are like on the backs, like piggyback. She's, yeah, yeah, the women are giving piggyback rides to the 10 year old boys, and the boys are all like wildly <laughs> waving their arms around as they're like racing past each other. But it's like, you know, it's like they're both well, like they're running, but like it almost looks like it's going in slow motion. It's, it's I don't know, it's like a weird effect that. They're like, the boys are just like slowly but wildly. Well, I think it's clearly for the effect yeah, of yeah. the sexualization of the women. But, yeah. um, but I also, again, this is a visual thing, but when she says, pray for me, Kenneth, and he does his little 
that's one of those things like is just gift and it's one of my go-to gifts for basically anytime i see someone online saying like uh, please give good vibes or, or wish me luck or anything. That's basically what I just kind of reply back with them with is because it's just, it's so goofy. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Most people just like do like the quick hand prayer, but his is just so to the left, to, to the, the left, right. to the right. And then like a salute. And it's like, all right, I guess that's how you pray in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Then Pete throws some things at the Actually, telephone. Actually, that, that is one. That's the only good thing of the yeah, Pete. He's so scene. desperate. He's basically like stripping to try and just contact anyone in the 30 Rock offices. So we're going to play that clip real quick. Really? Is everyone watching TV? Four numbers. Call anybody in the building. Any random number. Yes, Hornberger. Hello, you've reached Pete Hornberger, TGS. Please leave a message. <laughs> I mean that's that's basically the end of Pete's story. Like he, no one rescues him. He's there the rest of the show. Um, I don't know. It's just it's so fun because it's just like it builds up all the dramatic tension. Oh, he's gonna get some. No, nope. nope, he calls himself. <laughs> he calls himself. It's so great. Who's not there? Who's not there to answer? Um, but we come back and Jack uh, sort of just teases that. I guess I guess teases at Liz's heartstring to get the answer out of her because he already knows. But he's trying to just make her feel as bad as possible. A class A moron. Yeah, how are you doing? Lemon, can I share something with you that I've never shared with anyone in my life? I would rather you didn't. When I was a child, I had a terrible stutter. And I was so embarrassed by it that I rarely spoke in class. You were a stutterer? Couldn't get a word out. Needless to say, I was the object of some ridicule. Because of my reticence, they assumed I was stupid. And the Massachusetts public school system designated me a class A moron oh no the stutter got so bad i was taken out of my grade and put in the special class held in the boiler room my only other classmate was named gilly he'd fallen through the ice as a child and was technically dead for 57 minutes they told us to sweep sawdust so we could find work at a mill i'm sure whoever said that thing in the post had no idea of course i overcame the stutter in three languages on to Princeton, Harvard, and the top of the business world. I thought I'd block this out, but a thing like this brings back some old emotions. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm back in that boiler room, making little piles of sawdust while Gilly plays with himself in the corner. I'm sorry, did you want something? I just wanted to tell you that I've narrowed it down to Tufer or Frank. So do you think that the whole story is a fabrication or it's true, but he was just playing it up to try to get her to confess? Well, um, if he didn't have the document, I would think it was fabricated, but he did have a document and it looked like I don't think he would put that much work into faking something like that. So I do think he probably was considered a moron in his class, but I think the stutter and the sweeping sawdust and all of that was probably fabricated. I mean, otherwise, how would Colleen deal with it to have such a I slow mean, son? And if, and if, you know, if he was slow and he's now, you know, a CEO or 
almost the CEO of GE. Like, again, she's still not proud of him. Even he's come that far. Like, what's her idea of successful? So it kind of makes her look like an even worse mother. Um, but I don't know. I think I think most of it's I think most of it's made up. By the end, it seems like. By the end, it seems like he confesses that most of it was just a lie to get her to confess. But Kenneth now is called into Jack's office to... Well, after we get a small little montage of just things going on, and as they do on a a Survivor-esque or reality show, they do uh, a recap of, you know, what got you this far and and what helps, you know, determine your grit and all that. And it's a, a thing of... Oh, you know, when everything's got hard, I just thought to to dig deep and blah, 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 blah. It's all corny. And then they also do the reality thing of, like, we'll find out who's getting voted off in three more commercials, which, ugh, gross. I don't like I don't like when reality shows do that. But we Why can't. do things have to build suspense? Yeah, but it's like you can build suspense without being that. No, I know. It's, it's exaggerated suspense. Yeah. Um, but we come back and Jack... Uh, pulls Kenneth into the office because it seems like he might actually have the answer to who did it. Jonathan, turn up the heat a little more and send in Kenneth. Kenneth? We're going to get to the bottom of this. He won't know anything. Kenneth! You're the eyes and ears of TGS. So Liz and I were hoping you could help us to uh, track down the person who's been saying these hurtful things about me in the paper. Well, sir, I'm sure that whoever did this regrets her or his mistake and will do the right thing i certainly hope so do you have any guesses kenneth i need an answer the stress of this isn't making me awful sleepy sir there's a call on two i think you're gonna want to take mr guys i oh hello vice president cheney uh, uh, yes, uh, I hope DeBoro wins as well. No, they're not real, unfortunately. By 2008, even Jack Donaghy is not a fan of the Cheneys. Well, I guess you... I guess, yeah, I think I've read it both ways. I think it, he was so wanting a call from Don Geist that he was like, oh, I've embarrassed myself in front of not only the vice president, but everyone else. But at the same time, like, yeah, vice, President Cheney was not someone that I really want to be talking to right now yeah because i think the point was like by that by 2008 like we're talking like not only like post iraq war but the economy the housing bubble was popping like all the stuff was going wrong that like the approval rating of the bush administration was just like so low that even you know many republicans were just sick of the whole thing so i yeah so i read it as like oh god i don't want to talk to you know so he's he's not feeling that great about yeah them at that point dick cheney contact yeah Yeah. it's so fun You didn't tell him. You listen to me, little Abner. Keep your fried baloney hole shut. I am not going down for this. I'll tell him you did it. Who do you think he's going to believe? I'm important around here. Miss Lemon, your eyes look like my uncle's after you would drink from the air conditioner. I thought we were friends. I didn't come here to make friends. I came, I came here to be number one. Miss huh. Lemon, I can't believe they put what you said in the paper. Shh, how do you know about that? This is a Kathy cartoon. Yeah, that cartoon copied exactly what you said the other day. Chocolate, 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 ah! <laughs> It's so ah! random and stupid it's and hilarious. So it's so random. <laughs> Did you ever read the Kathy comic? Oh, I hated Kathy. Like, I remember seeing it in the, like, in the, you know, Sunday, whatever, mm-hmm. roundup per week, but I just remember, like, not, 
not really i don't i'm not getting it i don't know i I mean i was way too young yeah exactly i mean it was written i think at that time by a mid-20s early 30s woman which kathy guys white kathy guys white yeah as a 10 year old i was like i'm too far from any of this to even get any references going on here uh but yeah just it never clicked for me i was more of a family circus garfield and um peanuts yeah, Peanuts was cool. Uh, I feel like there was another one around that time that I was really into. But yeah. Calvin and Hobbes? Was Calvin and Hobbes still running? I do remember Calvin. Yeah, I feel like Calvin and Hobbes and Farside were like those two that were on the cusp of no longer being weeklies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cal- th- those two made the made the cut. Yeah, I just couldn't get into Cat Kathy and Doonesbury and uh, Prince Valiant, Wizard of It. I liked Wizard of It. Wizard is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like those more like I guess like the uh, political stuff. Yeah, what was the one ones. with the owl? You remember that one? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I can't. I don't, I don't remember. It wasn't that important. I don't know if it's still running or not. But yeah, I just I couldn't get into Kathy. But that's such a great. Well, I want to back up just a little bit to to where they frame it to where Deborah's in the background and Liz and they're saying the same thing, and it's just like I like that scene because it's so over the top, but at the same time it's like what is she talking about i want to be number one it's not like she that joke would work better if she'd heard that speech before and then she reiterates it but for her to say it at the exact yeah it doesn't really make sense in the it really for her to say i want to be number one number one what like it doesn't make any sense yeah but i do like her then at the very end reaction like oh god i'm I'm basically becoming (laughs) a reality tv person it's just uh, i've never liked that yeah, well, and it's also funny because I mean, I didn't come here to make friends. Is like the the biggest like you know like cliche. reality show competition, whatever mm-hmm. cliche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to win. Which that that is the mentality you should have, of but it's, like you should openly yeah. say that. It just sounds well. No, it's it's it cliche awful. for a it's, reason. Yeah, it's gross. Next, Liz has a story of her own to share with Jack. Jack, it's almost 11. Why don't you let those guys go home and we'll all sleep on it? They call me Stammerhead Sharklin. What? The kids at school, they call me names. Mrs. Stutterworth, Stutterfingers. Stuttermilk pancakes. The butter thing opened up a lot of doors for them. You know, I wore corrective shoes as a kid. Really? When I was born, I had a malformed extra baby foot extending from my actual foot. Oh, they think maybe I ate my twin. But after the surgery to remove it, I walked pigeon-toed. So all through grade school, I had to wear corrective footgear that attached to a headgear. Gilly chewed through his headgear. My point is, I survived. It made me a better person. And the same is true of you. All this, all your success is because of that certificate. It made you who you are. And that is not a bad thing. Thank you, Lemon. Look, the final council is starting. Deborah has the bearing of a queen. I'm so sad we never get to see Liz in corrective gear plus headgear because oh. it just the, the visualization of that just sounds so terrible that I I hope no one has actually had to go through with that, but it seems like probably someone has had to do that. And it also makes me think of always sunny. One of the main characters on there, when she was in high school, she had scoliosis, so she had to wear a back brace and a neck brace to like keep everything in check, and she was never popular. <laughs> Kids poor, are so cruel. Poor Dee, she tries so hard. But then finally, the truth comes out in Kenneth. 
Mr. Donaghy, it was me. I said those bad things about you in the newspaper, sir. Kenneth, you? I couldn't lie anymore, sir. Because everyone knows the weight of a lie makes your soul so heavy that you can't rise up to heaven. And you don't look good in jeans from behind. But why, Kenneth? Is it because I made you work late last night? Yes, sir. That was it. I was here folding Milf Island t-shirts until two in the morning, and then you didn't even offer me one. Needless to say, I grumbled about you to anyone who would listen. I don't know what to say, Kenneth. You've embarrassed yourself and the show. You may have compromised my chances of running this company, and needless to say, you've hurt me personally. Lemon, do you have anything you want to add? You disgust me. Well, that's over. Tomorrow wins! So, would you call Kenneth a staffer on TGS? Because I, I, I know at this point Jack obviously knows that Liz didn't, it wasn't Kenneth, but it's like also the the blind item or whatever in page six said yeah. a TGS staffer. And like, yeah. Kenneth isn't, I mean, he's a, you know what I mean? So, even if Jack had known, like, he never could have thought that Kenneth did it because he's not a TGS staffer. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a TGS he's staffer. Just a, he's a page. He's, uh, he's a, he's a an NBC or 30 Rock employee. But I do like that they frame it that his staffer said it. Like they didn't specifically say writer, actor, or anyone else. So in the first viewing of this, you think, oh, wow, it really could be anyone said it because staffer is such a broad stroke of 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 possible workers in the in the in the entirety of 30 of tgs but yeah i would have never considered um because even when he brings kenneth in the first time he doesn't bring him he doesn't assume kenneth did it because he, he says kenneth you're the eyes and ears of tgs so i don't think he would have been considered him a staffer either he would have just considered him a person that hears things and shares things also if Tracy says I'm not going to be on the show this week earlier because he's going to go to Dubai. What is he doing here? Why is, he here? Why is he here? Is also, he Jenna's like, not in this episode at all. So who is going to be on the, on the on yeah, TGS I guess this week? Just Josh. Josh is busy a show. Josh is doing every it skit. Seems like Jack's forgotten about him. He yeah. forgot he's a person. Yeah. Oh, and also at the end of the scene, Deborah wins Milf Island. Yay! Go Deborah. Good job, Deborah. Uh, but we come back for the finale, and everything the truth actually comes out when Liz heads back to her office for real this time for realsies. Jack, what are you doing here? Guy's called me. Oh, good. I've never heard him sound so happy. He called me Jackie Boy. Mm-hmm. And Deborah's testing off the charts in the most profitable demographics. Soccer moms, NASCAR dads, white-collar pervs, and the obese. Wow, congratulations. I've really come a long way since that heart attack, haven't I, Lemon? Geis's job is mine to lose. <laughs> There's just one thing still bothering me. Kenneth's story doesn't add up. You want some pizza? Kenneth said he was folding t-shirts until 2 a.m., but the post goes to press at midnight. Even if he somehow did bump into a reporter in the elevator, it would be too late. Well, you know, that guy's the worst. This should be the greatest night of my life, but I can't enjoy it. I mean, it's just killing me that somebody would say that about me. I'm sure the person who said it probably didn't mean it, and it was probably too far. No, they meant it. They think I'm a moron, just like Gilly and everyone else. Even Gilly made fun of you? You know, it's funny, Lemon. I guess I'll always be that. It was me. I did it. I I didn't mean any of it. I'm 
sorry I said you could eat my poo. I, I was me. I did it. I know. I just wanted to get you to admit it. And you do know how you're going to make this up to me, don't you? Oh, God. I've got to write the Deborah show. She wants to sing in every episode. <laughs> you knew how. No onion rings. Oh, this place can eat my poo. You say that word a lot more than you realize. Now, I need you to initial here and sign uh, here and here. I got to admit, I never thought I'd get you. The stutter, the certificate, Gilly. Yeah, well, I made up all that stuff about the extra baby foot, too. I made that up. That was to make you feel better. I'll walk you out. Heel toe, lemon, heel toe. Stick around. Coming up next, we've got Dog Swap. Did you notice who was the executive producers of Nuff Island? It's very easy to miss. It's it's like it's less than a was second. Was that Jack Donaghy and someone else? Yeah. Who I didn't get any catch the second. Premiere of the second uh, season. Al Gore? No, that was in Greenzo. I don't know who was it. Jerry Seinfeld. Oh. So even though he was uh, he was Seinfeld visioned into Milf Island, I guess he liked. I mean, it also was probably a. Uh, what was that? What was the show we were talking about? The the, the makeup, not makeup artist. Uh, the uh, the re- the marriage ref. Oh, it's probably yeah. a joke about that because he produced oh, yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's very easy to miss because it's up less than a second on screen. But uh, Jack Donaghy and Jerry Seinfeld were the executive producers of of Milf Island. So, um, but yeah, that's the finale of Milf Island. Uh, is the is Deborah's show ever talking? Was running it ever talked about again? No, it never. Never comes back. Maybe NBC didn't end up picking it up after all. Maybe it didn't get picked up. Well, maybe she wanted to sing too many times, and they were just like, "We can't have we, that. We can't afford all these song rights, no. <laughs> unless they were originals." And like, yikes. Um, but yeah, solid episode uh, all around. Yeah, I have to say now, as we're going back through it, since we mostly skipped over some of the less scenes, like. So I, I think I still stand by classic, not necessarily the best, but it's still like the good, the, the parts that are good are really, really good. And it, it's just that some of the, the fillery stuff on the side that overall as a whole makes it maybe not the best, but like, yeah, but like the standout stuff, which is mostly like the clips of the show itself, like, and Liz and Jack talking and figuring out, like those, yeah. those are all really funny. I mean, that's, I think those were most of the clips that we played were just the person to person conversations. Yeah. Um, but there's still, I mean, there's the whole pl- uh, plot of Pete, but also there's tons of scenes of the writers basically going at each other and forming alliances. They, and forming alliances and, and trying to get the truth out of one another uh, that, that, you know, is playing into the whole uh, reality show uh, uh, jokes that they're trying to go for. But we left them out just for sake of time. But there's still a lot more in this. This episode that has a lot of great moments and, and laughs and stuff in it. So, uh, I I would personally say like it's one of the best of the second season, if not of the entire show. But I would also say yeah, it's it's definitely a classic in that just it it encompasses what Thirty Rock kind of is known for, just being outlandish comedy, very sharp, very tight that uh, we've come to know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'd say yeah, probably near the top of the season, but. Across all seasons, like I wouldn't put it at the very top of that. Probably, we'll see how your we'll list see. fluctuates. But I mean, I feel like on. I remember again. I've 
before we, we started going through these, I've only watched every episode once, but like in my mind, I feel like I remember like season three into four being like especially like the sweet spot of the show. So, but we'll see. We'll revisit those, uh, yeah, we'll get <laughs> those there. thoughts and see if they actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely agree that I think season two could have been much stronger had it had its full run and it wasn't uh, truncated by the writer's strike. And we've still got four episodes left so there's still a lot here but cutting the season by six or seven episodes because of a writer's strike it does sort of impact the overall quality of one season but i do agree that season three and four are just nearly every episode from i remember is just like nailing it um so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that any other thoughts on milf island before we wrap up one thing that crossed my mind at the very end like is after the um the even Gilly me if line like it really made me think like that sort of like ableist whatever joke like there were a lot of I feel like sort of like making fun of like disability whether like speaking or physical or whatever it's just interesting like that's kind of like the last I don't know like you, I guess you wouldn't exactly say class of people but like type of thing that you can just like make merciless fun of like on network TV without it being people deeming it like super offensive you know what I mean because like obviously there are certain jokes about like race and sexuality and things like and religion and whatever stuff like that that you just couldn't do on network TV even then at that point but it's like th- those are you know some of the jokes were pretty like looking for like oh Lynch is pigeon toed you know like Jack Sutter and like they make jokes I mean it's all funny stuff but I just kind of thought a little bit about how that's sort of like the last kind of quote-unquote offensive joke you can make without people getting super offended at it yeah. which is like i don't know which i mean i guess you could read those as ableist jokes i didn't i mean i didn't pick it up that way though. well I, the jokes themselves weren't ableist but it was joking about in ways like you know the the joke was that i mean it's kind of making a joke about how he stuttered and like the, he was he was right. in the, so he, he was, was in the slow class with the other kid who yeah. was you Only know who was brain damaged and like played with himself in the corner you know what I mean so it's yeah. like I mean it's not like super That's offensive fair. stuff but it's just like a, it's the sort of thing where it's like you couldn't that kind of like bite to the jokes you couldn't make those necessarily make those kind of jokes about race in the same way or you know or, or religion or just yeah. like other things in the same way and have it just not be seen as like as offensive or whatever i guess you know what i mean yeah Yeah. like yeah no like someone with a stutter shouldn't be seen like as some sort of social outcast yeah and like and it's like jack at the end it's kind of played for the last one he goes into his stutter but like i I mean again not that i mean you know it's it's all it's all what what they the jokes they make are pretty funny i guess but it's just it's just i was just thinking about that how it's a kind of joke they could make where they couldn't make no i don't think think they would even that played on the same like yeah yeah I i feel like most modern comedy at least you know like I'm, I'm trying to think like most comedies that i watch now are basically netflix hulu or comedy central comedies like they're edgy humor but they're also socially aware humor like something like broad city like it's it's not gross out humor but it's also like it's not for kids humor but they're also yeah. very respective of basically anybody like it's very lgbt friendly it's very racially friendly uh, I don't remember them ever specifically singling out any sort of ableist groups or, or insulting anybody. Like, I think like uh, Amy uh, Amy Sedaris plays like a just crack. I mean, she always plays a crackpot, but like you know, she shows up to take them apartment hunting and she's in a neck brace, but they don't draw attention to it. Like she makes fun of herself for it, but it was <laughs> it's something just so off the wall that it's just like 
she's making fun of it herself, but it's not directed at a group or anything. And basically, I think it's like she just like walked into a wall or something and she hurt her neck. But they never make fun of her for it or anything like that. And I'm trying to think, was the uh, the other two the one? Yeah, she yeah. I mean, there's a lot they can make fun of on there, and I don't think they ever do. I think most of it's still played like gross out humor or just vulgar humor, but never it's never hateful, hateful comedy directed yeah. at a group or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, but like it's yeah, right. Those shows are are pretty right. They find their humor and other things. But like I was thinking, it's like in the most recent season of The Good Fight. Well, The Good Fight is a drama, but it has a lot of comedic elements. There's Cheryl Hines guest stars as like someone who's investigating the the lawyer firm. So Good, Good Fight is a spinoff of The Good Wife with Juliana Margulies and now Christine Baranski is the lead. Anyway, so there's an episode where Cheryl Hines plays someone who's doing an internal investigation of the law firm, and it's like she has a a medical condition where she just like laughs at really like sort of like Tourette's but for laughter so she'll laugh at inappropriate times like it's played totally for laughs and it's like honestly I don't even know if it's a real medical condition it probably is mm-hmm. like I feel like it would be because I feel like that would be a strange thing to make up but it's like anytime she does it like it's played for laughs because like she laughs at inappropriate times or when she does it's funny based off what's being said so it's like that's the sort of thing again where it's like you know, I mean, you're really making fun of someone for something they can't control and it's yeah. played for last. And like, you, you can't really do that about, well, I mean, you can, but like, <laughs> it's not as socially acceptable. So it's interesting how, to me, how, you know, uh, thir- it, I mean, that's kind of what was unaccepted with 30 Rock and that sort of humor is still accepted in a way that other, I mean, I don't want to say offensive, it's not so offensive, but just... You know, Edgy. I don't know what the right word is for it, but just misunderstood. I guess. Yeah, making fun of things that people can't control. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I remember learning like Tourette's. My introduction to Tourette's was that oh, Tourette's. You just. uh, I guess it was Tourette's guy. Was like a. You remember that guy? The oh, the weatherman. No, no, no. Tourette's guy was like a character someone created for like like, early e-bombs YouTube. Oh, I have not. I mean, like even even when I when I first. Like, my friends were like, oh, my God, it's the funny Even I was watching, I was like, this is an act. Like, this isn't real. And if this is real and someone, I don't know, someone's just putting this out there to, like, laugh at it. Or, like, if this guy's making a living off of being laughed at as Tourette's. I mean, that that's his decision. But at the same time, it's like, this isn't, like, a real representation of Tourette's. Like, Tourette's isn't involuntary swearing. It's It, it could be a number of things. You know, it could be, like, a, blo- a body twitch. Or they really can't control what they say. But doesn't mean that the stuff coming out of their mouth is uh, obscenities like it's just it was such a weird thing like i've never liked tourette's guy um it's just like i don't know it's like edgelord humor it's just like i mean i can do some edgelord stuff but i don't know just like random swearing is not funny to me because it's got to be creative like swearing has to be creative mm-hmm. and like tourette's guy was never creatively funny it was just like oh he's he's just loud and he says swears that's I mean that's the joke. It's like it's kind of like a one tier joke. There's not really there's not much room for evolution or anything there. I just never really cared for that. But like learning what Tourette's actually was and then like watching that, I was just like, this is this doesn't hold up at all. Like this mm-hmm. isn't funny. But I mean I don't think he's around anymore. I think he's he's dropped that character. I mean it was ten years ago. So who knows? Probably more than that. Who knows? But yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, that was just something I was thinking yeah. about. And, you know, looking back at somewhere where some of the humor is played from yeah. on that whole trying to get, you know, basically where Jack tries to get Liz to confess by guilting her into it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm try- I, can't, I can't think of anything modern. It seems like everybody's a little bit more sensitive to just everything 
and not in like a derogatory way like oh we gotta be sensitive no it's just like I think there oh, there's a really good tweet that Paula Tompkins had sent out or a video or something of him talking about like if you want to say that everybody gets triggered or that people are snowflakes and blah 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 it's like well you know it's because you're kind of stuck in the past and like your comedy worked at one time 10 years ago it might have been funny to be that way but you know in the present you got to look at your audience and if your audience has grown up or has changed their tastes if you want to keep that audience you have to then acclimate not expect them to to acclimate to what you're trying to, to still say if, like if you're still doing bits that are 10 years old and making fun of a race or making fun of a minority or whatever and no one's laughing it's not because they're not getting the jokes or you know they're too sensitive it's because they've grown up or they've changed their taste and you're not evolving with your style and you're not evolving with what the audience is asking for or expecting yeah. so that's true but especially with comedy it is interesting if a fine line it's like i mean sometimes when it just comes to your art like you have to do what you think and do what you know what you believe regardless of what people say because you, you know if you try to cater to feedback that can you know what i mean that can be clear it's a time like yes it's definitely true like there's things that are just not funny because the times are but it's like but at the same time it's like well we also like there are ways you can be edgy about things and actually be funny without being you know offensive or dumb about it mm-hmm. and I don't know, but especially when it comes to things like stand-up comedy, that is like a hard line to toe because it's like you want to be edgy and funny, but you, and I mean, although mostly when I find comedians say like, "Oh, you know, don't tell me what I could do," blah, 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 like I find they're mostly being obnoxious as opposed to actually like defending funniness. They're just defending their own, you know, ability to be assholes. But like at the same time, like <laughs> it is true that sometimes, like you know, there are some people who just don't have a sense of humor, and like you can't at the same time, like you can't let them patrol your art and patrol what you create too because like then you then i mean you know obviously if you become go totally if you all you do is think about oh might this offend someone then you're kind of you know setting yourself up to to be a little toast but i definitely get the paul talkins thing it definitely applies i mean you know just look how louis uk louis uk went from before his whole scandal finally became public like he was very much like uh you know, like a, a, a just like a liberal, whatever stand-up yeah. liberal guy, and like now that now his comeback is all about he's gone like totally opposite and like purposely is like saying like super like offensive, like you know mean, really mean, you know, just like whatever things like. So it's like okay, so you know he's you know just tr- you know just gone full blown into just saying whatever he wants to the detriment yeah. to the detriment of his art because it's not funny. Yeah, but. Right, but at the same but time, like, been, like he's he's potentially found a relatively new audience, even if yeah. it's not as big as his previous audience was. He's still able to to ring in some crowd, so he has found an audience for that style of humor. But ultimately, that audience is going to change, yeah. and he's going to have to determine where do I go from here? Because now, essentially, I've played both sides. Is the other side going to come back to me, or am I going to have to go back to them? And it's like you're probably going to have to go back to the other side. If this side isn't isn't wanting what you're doing after a few years, or you're just gonna have to stop what you're doing and yeah, well, find a new alternative or yeah, something. It's I don't know. interesting how Aziz and Sari approach it as opposed. And uh, well, obviously the thing that uh, the 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 Aziz and Sari thing was definitely much different. He, you know, there was no assault. The the I mean, even like it seems like people generally agree that the way the story was written was not done in a it was kind of like in a bombastic way and like it wasn't that he actually assaulted someone just that this is this is kind of you know modern dating and there are some things that that are seen as probably okay they're maybe a little questionable but the way he approached his comeback as opposed to louis ck was like more introspective and you know i mean made jokes about it made jokes about how people can be sensitive but also 
asked the question of, of himself and how, you know, what, you know, and examined how he acted as opposed to, you know, Louis C.K. just going full blown like, oh, I'm, you know, now like a basically a stereotypical alt-right internet troll kind yeah. of thing. So I know it's interesting. It's just interesting how they both approached it in different ways. And it just makes you wonder like, okay, so it's like, Prior, they both had the image of like a you know a very you know a liberal lefty stand up whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like Aziz is maintaining that image in one introspective, even though he made fun of some of the sensitivity. Whereas Louis C.K. was like, okay, is anything genuine? Like his show, I mean, you know, his show was very influential. Like there, so much of comedy now is exists like because Basically, of how that show inspired yeah. it. But it's like at the same time, it's like okay, so when he did that time, like that fit in with his old image. Like, was it real? Like how much was real? How much was was he being genuine? Was it I mean, a part of it, like, he was doing what he liked, but it was, you know, he was purposely not putting all of his true feelings into it. Are his, what he's saying now, is that fake? And he's really just chasing the money where he can still get it. And right. his older thoughts were genuine, but he's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's... How much of it was a character and how much of it yeah. was real What's a character? Was how it, much yeah. is it now a character? Yeah. Was it or now? Was, was it, it then? Is, is it all? Life? You yeah. know, like, yeah. it's, it's just this whole thing. He's just trying to make money so he's just going after what's going to be the money it's just, i don't know it's, i mean i think really honestly in his case it really is about the money yeah and for aziz it's probably i mean part of it is probably about the money because you know actors got to eat too but at the same time it does seem like aziz ansari has genuinely learned from that experience and even if you don't fully forgive him or ever want to support anything he does going forward i still think he handled the situation better than someone else in that visit like someone like louis ck did like you said like you know he reflected on it and he thought man yeah i i really fucked up but at the same time you know i did what i thought was supposed to be done in that situation blah 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 which again you can't necessarily you don't have to defend that you don't have to think that he was right or whatever but at least he was relatively straightforward and honest about his situation whereas like louis ck just he handled it very poorly and has continued to handle it very poorly. And yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And the, the things they were accused of, I mean, obviously, like these things, like it's not, it's not necessarily he did anything wrong. It was just he just handled the situation. He just poorly. right. He he could have handled it in a better way, in a way that was more comfortable for the woman he was on a date with. Yeah. Like nothing, you know, things to be done better. Nothing terrible happened. I mean, Louis C.K. was just I, things he did were just really just terrible and not and not defendable. Way too long. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Aziz Ansari seemingly was a one night thing. Louis C.K. was a probably decade-long thing, it seemed like. I mean, Something he did for I multiple mean, there, years. I mean, honestly, like, I, I have to think about it a lot because all those things, the things that came out were known for years before. Like, I mean, while his show was on, like, I knew I had heard about those things. Like, I knew, you know, it was one of those, it was one of those open secret things where I knew it would happen. Like, and I still watch the show and I still like the show. So it's like, you know, now it, I kind of think about, okay, like, it, going forward, should I, you know, if when those things come out like sooner like and not i mean and when it came out about him way before it came public it wasn't just like random anonymous people on the internet it was a lot of smoke of people just talking about like you would see chatter pop up mm-hmm. in the same way of the harvey weinstein stuff that i guess that would just like chatter that would pop up yeah that was known but i don't know yeah it's interesting and like now i'm like oh louis ck like i'm not supporting any stuff it's like okay but why am i just doing that now because it was pu- because you know now it's public yeah. and publicly acknowledged that, he confessed to it because right. everyone knew it a long time ago it yeah. just wasn't so what was stopping me then like was it a yeah. was it a social uh well because the show was really good <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's like he wasn't like, publicly being ostracized yeah. so yeah. you know 
But I think, like, but none of that stuff, none of his public persona was coming through the show necessarily in terms of him embracing a new crowd. Whereas now his media and his public persona is very much like, oh, everyone's a snowflake and I can, I can't. So, like, if that had come through with the show, I feel like you probably would have dropped it and been like, I don't like where this is going because it's, it's a complete character shift that doesn't really fit the character even though this is probably how you are in real life it wasn't as prominent and also when louis louis show was we'll, we'll wrap this up because we are going a little bit long real quick but when louis started airing social media wasn't as big so even if i mean even if he was doing those things that he said that people were saying he was doing the word wasn't getting out as wide i guess or or um this i don't know i feel like it was easier to hide that information, whereas now basically anything can be done within a twelve-hour cycle. You could be ruined because yeah. that's just the way the news the news spreads now. So, I think he might have known his time was ticking uh, once he got his show. I don't know; it's weird, but yeah, I wouldn't feel too guilty about supporting something from the past because you can't do anything. Well, about of course, it. But, yeah, um, yeah, I would say if you don't want to watch anything going forward that has him in it that's fair like that's you as a consumer we live in a capitalist society to yeah. choose not to well, i mean something. honestly it seems unlikely to me that he's going to publicly appear in anything he doesn't he doesn't self-produce and self-fund so right i just i mean i i can't imagine any i don't know any major networks at this point do wanting to do anything with him so not for uh, a few years yeah so who knows maybe in three years once he's maybe laid low enough and people have forgotten which mm-hmm. I don't know if people will but if he has been forgotten they might be able to bring him back but I doubt it anyway that's Milf Island <laughs> um, I guess we'll end it on that note on a happy somber note uh, as always thank you for listening um, you like what we're doing you can rate and review and all that fun stuff on Apple Podcasts ko-fi.com backslash go to there Guess coming we, up next week. Next week, yeah. We, uh, we're we still going to finish out season two. We've got three episodes left. Four episodes. we got season two, episode 12, episode 33 of 30 Rock, Subway Hero, where Dennis returns on scene. <gasps> David, take us out. See you next time.